Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only. Plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Oh, I am your co-host, Christopher Mukigana-Harrington. Join from the great state of New York, the patron saint of wrestling himself, Mr. Brandon Howard. Brandon, how are you doing today? I'm great, Mookie. We're, we're, we're able to hear you mostly over this music, which I've now stopped. Yeah, I was going to say, the music disappeared, so I hope that was intentional. We're here on Google Hangouts. We're here on YouTube, broadcasting uh, every country that YouTube is in, maybe. Unless you've been banned from some, I don't know. But we're, we're going to talk about the WWE Investor presentation, and because we hit our goal of uh, subscribers, we're now going to do a visual look at the latest slides from the WWE corporate website. Yeah, we got a lot of stuff, but we, we're going to do the whole free show here on video and see how it works out. Brandon, how was your weekend? Did you wrestle on Friday and Saturday? Did wrestle on Friday and Saturday. I did. This is true. Should turn on the video so they can see you to see that you're still in one piece, that you're alive. I'm still here. I'm, I'm here. I'm wearing glasses and uh, still in one piece. And uh, were you successful in both of your ventures this weekend? I won both matches. This is true. Yeah. Um, and you sold some merch money, right, too? I sold a shirt. How'd you know about that? I'm your accountant. I'm doing taxes for the state of New York. They've asked me to audit some of the independent wrestling that's going on here. It's too much malarkey. Yeah, it's, uh, I've, uh, I've, I haven't gotten that raise yet that you promised me that you would get for me from all the promoters as, as part of being my new agent. But uh, I'm, 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 I'm patient. You know, I'm, I'm, we're waiting for the big India expansion of, of uh, ESW. And uh, that's when the real money is going to kick in. I'm looking forward to that. So, so uh, that's good. So you did you have good matches? Were you happy with them? Yeah, we had a debut. A new student from our school, Ronnie Hartman, made his debut at IWF in Brockport. Uh, he even had a second match the following day. Uh, he wrestled Dewey, who you probably know. Um, and uh, I wrestled, so I wrestled him, and I beat him on Friday. And then I wrestled one Vince Valor in Jamestown, New York, the following day for Southern Tier Wrestling. Nice, nice. It was a really nice venue. It was like a, it was a small TV studio looking venue with like silhouettes of buildings, like a skyline in the background. It was a small, very small venue, but a lot of people in it, tightly packed and a hot crowd. It was a good time. Hot crowd, hot, hot, hot. That's what we want to hear. Uh, Father's Day coming up here. Are you doing anything fun for Father's Day? Uh, I'm recording WrestleMania Radio and what could be better than that? That's a good point. I'm going to go have some sushi in uh, Lionel Lakes, Minnesota, in a little bit. 
Oh yeah, goodness. we got about two hours here. So the countdown's on. We'll see what's happening. But uh, this today we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff on our free show here. We did a, a excellent two and a half hour uh, premium show earlier this week for subscribers. And we talked to uh, David Bixenspan, who wrote this article for Deadspin. That was kind of a big bombshell this week. Um, uh, we talked about um, a little bit about the Young Bucks and All In and things of that nature. And, the, uh, of course, Ring of Honor's news that they're going to uh, promote Madison Square Garden. We talked on the premium show about uh, Mr. Harold May and just more uh, articles I found on him more about his leadership style and his business ethics and um, just things like that. So it'll be very interesting to see the influence there. And uh, we, we had a really good show. And so anyone who's interested in the show can always go. I'm, I'm doing item number one on our list here. Plug premium show. Then go to patreon.com slash Russellomics. Five dollars a month gets you access to everything. Mm-hmm. And I, what I will point out is for those of you who listen to the free show, you are subsidized. You're subsidized. Like the TV rights subsidize everything else for WWE. Well, the the Patreon subscribers subsidize your free show because we would not be doing this free show weekly. We would not be doing this free show with as much depth and content and video and audio and everything else for free if it wasn't for the Patreon subscribers. So we want to thank them very much. And uh, we want to brag a little bit. We hit our goal. We hit set a ridiculous goal when we started. I wrote down $100 was my first goal to go weekly mm-hmm. and we hit that very quickly and then i hit a, i put up a, an absurd goal of 500 dollars a month which yeah. i it was one of those things where we wanted to set ourselves a stretch target but we also wanted to make it too difficult to actually do mm-hmm. so uh we put 500 bucks up and i honestly didn't think we would hit 500 bucks in our first year and uh coming into our first year we're very close to kind of the launch date here uh, especially, you know, we're on like episode 52, 53, depending on how you want to count things. Yeah. And uh, we're, you know, one year in and we hit the number. And so that means for all in, Brandon's getting that tattoo. Nope, not getting a tattoo. Uh, might buy a piece of uh, Bull Club merchandise to send to a random subscriber or I don't know. We'll we'll work that out. We've got, to, we've got three months, two and a half months to procrastinate <laughs> on that. Well, um and I While just want to mention this, too, this is, we're subsidized by all, all of our very generous uh, listeners and s- subscribers at, at patreon.com slash WrestleNomics. Uh, however, we, while we do appreciate that, when the day comes when people, someone wants to pay us a massive radio rights fee, we will just, you know, we will just please ourselves and do whatever we want. So beware. So you're just saying that basically, uh, like I've said many times, we are for sale. Uh, when Global Force Gold wants to get a sponsorship on this show, we're ready to jump in. In the words of one of the most successful businessmen of all time, uh, we are open for business. <laughs> we, are, we are open to discussions. Yes. Uh, for our first topic here, let's let's use this audio visual visual stream here and see if we can actually um, kind of go through something. This was this was a topic that I wanted to do, and I kind of feel like it's it's going to be inferior in an audio form mm-hmm. and superior in a visual form. So why not do it as a live broadcast? And what I wanted to show was this investor presentation, kind of the differences between um, the January version that came out and uh, a May version that they put up very quietly. Yeah. It was not in conjunction with any of their big announcements. It was not in conjunction with any big um, presentations. And, and for anybody just who's just listening to the audio real quick, if you want to see the, the video version, you can just go to our YouTube page. Or we're, we're probably we've got, probably got links to our Twitter by now. By the time you listen yes. to this, 
or go to go to at WrestleNomics and we will have it linked up there as well. Yeah, it's going to be free um, for everybody. Correct. This one is free for everyone because, as we say, I, my goal is not to create a paywall that then prevents people from getting information because everybody has a different situation about why they do or do not subscribe to things. Yeah, and I I very much appreciate that I live in a time and an era where I can support people monetarily. And I appreciate that people support us. But at the same time, I'm not trying to hold people back from learning. I'm not trying to hold people back from actually hearing information and debating it. There's nothing I hate more than when you see Squared Circle and it says Meltzer said blank. And you realize that half these people aren't able themselves to verify that. Yeah. And same with my, my – I go on a rant on the other show about star ratings and Profite DB and how 10% of star ratings over the last year were not done by Dave. Uh-huh. Now, they're not the controversial ones for the most part. <laughs> you know, the seven stars came from Dave. But at the same point, you, you kind of want people to understand what are they reading? Is it primary or secondary? And so many times people are distorting what is said. You know, Sportskedia has made an entire, you know, life cycle out of this, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Writing articles just based on some offhand comment Dave or Brian will have. Is it just Sportskedia that's doing that or is that the entire wrestling media industry? You know, I think Sportskedia is, is the most, I don't know, they, they are profound in what they do. I'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. So um, one thing I, I was looking at was just this this difference here between these two versions. And uh, you probably can't see very well, but uh, this is the January version on my right. And then this is the May version on my left yeah you're not seeing double you're trying to you're doing a side-by-side comparison to show the differences so i i have the actual graphs of what's different between the two that i can also flip to but i just kind of wanted to show what it looks like and how you can kind of see this really quickly Hmm. so in the investor presentation and i'm going to continue to commentate this because of course many people are listening to this for free and they're Hmm. going to try their best to follow along um what's the what things are changing between these two decks well the first one is we actually finished 2017. If you remember, in January of, of, of 2018, we did not have the full year results for 2017 because they're typically about two months delayed. So it was, it was the middle of February that they actually did the full year numbers. Mm-hmm. So you'll notice that the deck on the right, which is the January deck, is actually a very carefully on the bottom here says 12-month trailing basis, TTM. That's what it means, 12-month trailing. And so you can see just how much it went up in that extra month where we see it went up from 784 million to 801 million. It went up from uh, 75% international, still 75%, I'm sorry, 75% domestic or North America mm-hmm. and and, 70, and 25% international. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's lots of little changes here for what the year over year changes were uh, in terms of increasing revenue. And it's, it's always comical to see, you know, not only were they comparing 12 months, but then they were actually doing the 12 month basis to the 12 months prior to that. So you'll see while the 801 is higher than the 784 in terms of what their revenue is, mm-hmm. how much record revenue is up is actually down, mm-hmm. up 72 million versus the prior times that up 84 million because it was using the same 12 month period comparison, which is good, you know, that they used both times 12 month periods and they weren't overlapping any of that. But it's just kind of intriguing to see the difference between those two. Yeah. Uh, most of these slides are not massively different but there's one or two that are really different and i I think those are going to be the ones i'm going to want to talk a little bit more about Mm -hmm. um next slide here is this key growth drivers contributing to record year in 2017 Mm -hmm. and again you see they've now decided to go from a basis of saying well where was i 12 2015 12 months trailing well i was at a million paid 
and I got up to a million and a half. So then they decided to say, no, what if I went back to 2014? And so then they used 2014 as their number so that they could then say, oh, I was at half a million and now I'm at 1.53. Uh, so it was just very funny where it's like, you know, this was a 22% growth for uh, WWE Network average paid subscribers. And now they're able to claim 39% because, again, you know, they're using different um base numbers uh the tv escalation fees are the same number 18 percent growth going from 130 million to 213 million from two, 2014 to 2017 um continued international growth is is um again they decide to change their baseline so instead of talking about 2015 to 2017 they're now talking about 2014 to 2017 and uh they now can say it's a 20 percent growth instead of just saying 13 percent growth mm-hmm. uh I, I just find it humorous that, you know, it just kind of suddenly occurs to them. Hey, what if I go back? What if I just use an older number? Yeah. You know, why don't you compare yourself to 1990? Mm-hmm. I bet you have enormous social media growth since then. Mm-hmm. Um, when it goes to the history of compelling content, they talk about the three ecosystems, pay television, ad supported, digital and social, and then direct to consumer. Uh, one interesting kind of just comparison factor is you can see on the right side, again, the older deck, it would say eight, six billion hours of content consumed. 4.3 billion international, 840 million U.S. weekly TV and pay-per-views. And again, if you think about that, that's an absurdly high number, right? So here, this is saying 66% of our consumption is international when it comes to uh, total hours consumed. And it's suggesting that is of the weekly programs and the pay-per-views. Okay, so we're on SmackDown and pay-per-views. Yeah, and but that's absurd. 66%? What, yeah, what, what's absurd? It's absurd because the digital. No, no. What, 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 what is absurd? Well, the fact that when we usually talk about, hey, there's all this viewing happening on India, right? Yeah. We talk about how much digital viewing there is. That should be in this little yellow corner of ad-supported digital and social, fourteen percent or five hundred and fifty million hours. Uh huh. This is suggesting there's four point three billion hours being consumed internationally. That the international market for watching Raw and SmackDown is five times larger than it is in the U.S. Okay, that makes sense. It does? What countries are that? Five. What countries are where, – where are you getting if, – if we have two million some people that watch Raw and SmackDown in the U.S., two to three million, where right. are you getting the next 12 to 15? U.K., India, OSN, South Africa, China, Canada. Mexico, yeah. But we've never. But we know in UK they they barely do a hundred thousand viewers, two hundred thousand viewers. True. That's just one 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 among like six markets I just mentioned. That's their, that's their second just international market. It's it's their second what? Largest international market. That's where they make the second it's, most money in the it's world. It's their second most lucrative market, but I don't think it's their second biggest viewership market. Mm-mm. And so it's just an interesting fact where basically this is suggesting. I mean, All this time I mean, we've did been they tell us the business partner summit? Like, if you want to believe this or not, look at the, the, the India viewership is like 13 million weekly, whether that's just Raw or, or Raw and SmackDown or whatever. And it's also, do you believe international viewing numbers? Like, they've said themselves that they don't really have great metrics on that. Yeah, well, they're going to, you know, they want to make the sales pitch, so... It, it's just very interesting to me where we talk so much about it being all these YouTube views being so heavy, but the, if you actually look at their doc, their doc is claiming it's weekly programming and pay-per-view views, which would suggest that it's either they're counting the YouTube views of content that is – my guess is they're counting the content of Raw and SmackDown clips on YouTube as part of weekly programming and pay-per-views. 
I don't, I don't know what I'm looking at here or how to read this. 14% yeah. are you, are you saying, are they saying all of the content all of the viewing of WV worldwide, only 14% of it is digital and social. Is that what I'm supposed That's to get? That's what it's saying. Is that, well, I think is that the really only weird. possible interpretation here? Why is it cut no. out? Why are the, why are the pieces cut out like this in like the 5% well, piece it, is the biggest of all. Because they're saying in-ring highlights and short-form original stuff is what they're calling ad-supported digital and social. But the in-ring weekly programs, they're calling weekly. I, I just think it's really odd because it, it seems like a very different interpretation of what I've always been led to believe, which is the driving factor is the YouTube hours and billions of content. And this would instead be saying I'm adding up numbers for India watching Raw and SmackDown. And that's where my 66% is coming from, which would suggest it's coming from linear television viewing mostly. All I think this is saying is that sixty of, of Raw and SmackDown and pay-per-views, sixty-six percent of the of the viewing of those programs is coming from international. But that, but it's also saying of the six billion hours that they consumed, four point three billion of it came from TV watching linear, and only five hundred and fifty million came from YouTube and Facebook. That doesn't make any sense. Exactly. So that's why I'm saying it seems really weird to me. It's a strange. There's not. I don't know if they're talking about content hours. created and mm. saying on an annual basis of what is being consumed new every year. It, like I say, I think it works because you can you get to be able to say, well, in South Africa, uh, this this distributor reaches this many millions of people. Therefore, I'm counting this many people watching my show, regardless of how accurate those those viewership numbers are compared to. YouTube, where you could argue there's a lot more validity to the numbers. Even if they're bots, there's at least validity. Versus just random television sampling and then projection. Yeah, this is confusing and, and I don't know. I, I don't know how to make sense of this. It's just, wow, it, big numbers. I don't know. Yeah, it, it, was just, it was just kind of something that struck me now while we were looking at it. It's also interesting to see them flip from 6 billion to percentages. You know, that, that you know... You, it's intriguing to me whenever they make small little changes like that. The number of social media followers going up from 825 to 900. But real, real quick, unless they're saying like, uh, can you scroll back down to that again? Unless they're saying like all of the, um, you know, what's the most consumed stuff on YouTube, on W's YouTube channel? It's the clips of Raw and SmackDown. So maybe they're yeah. counting it like that, but that's not, that's what I'm I don't wondering. know. That's but that would I'm be wondering. digital, digital and social. It's their own subcategory. I don't know. I, who knows what George is trying to say here. Yeah. So I, I find it just intriguing, you know, an, an example of what's happening. Um, when you go to uh, largest social and digital sports properties in the world, um, they, they added a new slide called 1.2 billion engagements, whatever that means. You have an engagement here. Uh, how's your how's your new media brand and how are we doing here? How many of these can you name? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, Snapchat, YouTube. Don't know what that is. Is that WhatsApp, Google Plus, Periscope? I don't know what that is. And Tumblr. Um, What's the F? I'm, I'm wondering if if one of these is like Weibo or something like the Chinese uh, chat app mm. that they added a presence on. Mm. Maybe that with that eyeball with the lines through it is. Maybe you can probably do the Google and and tell me. And then uh, Foursquare, I think, might be what that F is. Mm. So, um, uh, number one sports two channel on youtube uh they're now going up to 20 billion views number two is yeah, now dude perfect at five billion and number three is nba 
Uh, it used to be NBA ahead of, of Dude Perfect, so apparently uh, NBA is no longer relevant is what I can take away from this. That Pay no attention to the fact that everyone is talking about NBA right now. Even you must have noticed that, right? What, what happened? There's a lot of talk about NBA right now. The NBA Finals uh, happened or, or are happening. And also all the, the, the hullabaloo about different players leaving different teams. Yeah. Uh, the number one channels on YouTube, number one is T-Series, which is an Indian kind of movie soundtrack yeah. page, which is funny when you read their Wikipedia. I think it refers to how, like, they started off kind of like as a pirated um, like they used to pirate, like the, I think the company started off almost as a pirating company and then became like an actual big soundtrack company over years. Uh, number two is WWE and number three is now Ryan's Tory reviews at 19 billion. What's funny is you can look at the old version and number three was, uh, PewDiePie, Pew, uh, PewDiePie. Re refresh my memory. Which one is the new one? Which one is the old one? Left and right. I'm sorry. The right one is old. The, le the left one is new. Okay. And, um. Just the fact that uh, PewDiePie has been getting himself in so much controversy over the years here uh, that it's not surprising to see them happy to not have to mention him anymore. Uh, the next slide is pretty much identical. It's the heroes we see on ourselves. So Katniss Everdeen and Luke Skywalker mm -hmm. and then Seth Rollins <laughs> with his uh, curly locks. That's right. Well, this is George's favorite wrestler. Yeah. Um, you have the WWE moments here. Uh, you know, Bruno became andre andre became austin austin became the rock the rock became charlotte flair mm -hmm. as we all know yep <laughs> um then we have a couple slides here about you know how does the model change over time no real changes here except for this is you know what they're arguing is we had the traditional media model from 1999 to 2010 then we retooled for transformation is their new phrase from 2011 to 2014 and then the new media model a new media brand and part of the new media model. Mm -hmm. um, and then we get into um, playing with numbers again. Uh, a little bit of this coming from uh, changing baselines and uh, trailing 12-month periods. So 2010 stays the same in this case. So they're not using a trailing 12, but it's just a full 12 from 2010. And then saying looking at it to 2017. So it's basically saying our uh, our Kager's now 33%. Again, that's, that's a compound annual growth rate. And so we went from 10% digital to 40% digital in 2017. And uh, their old numbers was 10% digital going to 35% digital. And of course, this is because they get to claim pay-per-view revenue now as digital. If you take the old pay-per-view revenue and, and treat that as digital, that number is not going to be nearly of a, of a dramatic transformation. Mm -hmm. uh, and with the direct-to-consumer, uh, I think they, they define direct-to-consumer as the... You know, it's it's similar to the work that you and I were doing, which is, yeah. is the money that comes directly from a consumer. In this case, that you can see, actually, they they put a little uh, definition line down here. WWNetwork.com, WWShop, and various revenue lines between live events and rev venue merchandise. And non-DTC refer refers to the remainder of, of company revenues. But we came to a much different presentation in terms of, like, the the progression of direct-to-consumer versus non-direct-to-consumer. It's it's becoming increasingly less direct consumer at least the way that we defined it like where's the tv money here in this case i think tv money is excluded but again this is also looking forward in the future um but they're at a total of 801 that's the total revenue that's the entire company yeah but you're saying we're not we're not up to 50 percent yet is what your point is i'm saying that, that i'm saying that WWE is saying that their company is increasingly direct to consumer and we say exactly the opposite 
Well, we say in the next go around, it's definitely going to diminish because the those revenue lines, network, WWE.com, WWE Shop, live events, venue merchandise, all of those are going to grow at a much lower growth rate than what TV money is going to grow at. Okay. So it's going to be washed out very much. So um, in 2017, what is non-direct-to-consumer? TV, which is like 35%. And, uh, and WWE Studios, which is negligible. Nothing. Uh, possibly some digital media stuff. Uh, licensing okay. would be the biggest one probably. Okay. Licensing would, should still remain non-direct-to-consumer. Okay, that makes sense then, I guess. Right. And then, then they have just kind of those miscellaneous lines. Yeah. Um, looking at just how does the, the deck same 1500 year 1500 hours and it's the, again the three three subcategories pay television ad supported digital and social and direct to consumer the um then they go through the scale of just trying to say okay what's the difference between pay tv and here's a great example of of where the numbers magically change in a very quick period of time so the global scale for pay tv is 650 million homes mm-hmm Four months later, the global scale for for TV is 800 million homes. And and that's the difference here. What, what's the date of the, the, the older one? January of, of 2018 and May of 2018. So four months later. So in theory, I would guess it comes from they probably either got new data from Kagan, SNL Kagan, which does a lot of TV numbers for them, yeah. or Nielsen, or they actually signed some new contract where – propose reach is very high you know the number of homes that could order this service is very high not necessarily the number of homes that are watching this maybe, and then maybe they've also just have been reading like, uh, maybe they've just been reading needham and in, uh investments uh analysis about how they've doubled their their tam because now they have uh women's yeah. wrestling and w- w- and apparently women have never watched wrestling before supposedly yeah so i just thought that was really interesting that you know to that point there about how many hours are being consumed in international. Yeah. Well, if you can just magically find another 150 million viewers. Yeah. In four months, then yeah, I can believe that you can make your international number massively huge. It also says to me, I don't know what of this to believe is a real number. Not I, that I, I think it's 100% made up, but yeah. you know, number of homes, that's like saying the number of homes that could get MLW versus the number of homes that do. Or access or anything else. I, I guess it's like we, we know that the USA network is in, in what ninety some odd million homes, something like that. So I guess it's just the the sum. I think t- sum total. numbers are solid. I think it's just international. This is domestic and international, isn't it? it provides global yeah. scale, right? Yeah, yeah. So my point is, I think the US number is very hard. Like people understand the US number, they can put a real fact basis to it. Yeah. I think the international number is very soft in terms of who could access PPTV. Yeah. Who could be watching on Indian television. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what it is. Or even like when they sign a big deal for like the Philippines mm-hmm. or a place like that or Australia, yeah. you know. Um, then we get down to uh, data. Interesting to see the number of clips is actually dropped between these two things here from 42,000 clips to 40,000 clips. Uh, the number of video views has increased to by two billion from eighteen billion to twenty billion, and uh, consumption is fourteen percent of total viewer consumption in twenty seventeen. And again, this is just kind of interesting that 
I think we have spent so much time assuming that when they talk about the billions of views that they get, it's in YouTube. But this would really suggest that it's not their international viewership is not necessarily all this YouTube stuff. That a lot of that international viewership is in what they're considering the pay TV arena. Which, which bullet point am I supposed to look at to, to, to know that? I'm just saying in general. It's just the fact that it's such a smaller percentage of of the total viewer consumption. I guess I had always been thinking when they talk about consumption being way up that they keep they meant it was up because of ad supported digital and social. Fourteen percent of total viewer consumption in 2017 is what ad supported digital and social. Yeah, YouTube, ESPN.com, Twitter, Facebook, super, and then shows like Superstar Inc. or the Bella Twins uh, uh, YouTube channels. Hmm. We, we could do if some algebra. Right, I we don't can, know what can, to make of it. We could do it's some. Also, al- the ESPN.com listed, making you wonder: is there like some kind of ad share agreement with them with ESPN.com? Yeah, it's just their co-opted media partner, I think. Well, someone was telling me that on um, something like the Dan Patrick show that uh, they were running WWE Network ads, like as like the radio show. Okay. Which was interesting, like they were going after sports, you know, fans to say, hey, you should watch WWE Network. So they're buying uh, ads? On, like, yeah, on... like radio ads. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that was interesting. Uh, and lastly, then we get to the the third thing, the, the DTC section, which to them is pay-per-views, in-ring programs, docs, documentaries, and lifestyles. But this is basically the WWE Network programming. And uh, not much of a change here, except for they went from being recognized as the fifth largest U.S. SVOD, which is subscription video on demand network in 2016, to just being recognized as a leading U.S. SVOD network, the number two branded service. Yeah. So have some other SVOD services picked up and surpassed WWE? Well, I think they they. I think branded is one of their big things here. It's based on this Parks Associate Research um, mm-hmm. article that did. Brandon is is the, the not Brandon, but branded, branded is the big thing because they don't want to compare themselves to HBO. Mm-hmm. They don't want to compare themselves to Hulu. Yeah, they don't want to compare themselves to Netflix. What's number one here? MLB. I think MLB. Yeah. Yeah. And then presumably things like the NBA and NHL and and the ES, the new ESPN service and whatnot would all be in that category in mm-hmm. the future. Mm-hmm. And same thing, they don't want to probably compare themselves to Crunchyroll or other things like that, too. Or Netflix. Obviously Netflix, yeah. Yeah. Um, then we get down here to this, like, where's things going to grow, growing forward, multiple drivers. And they have these three groups. They have live events, consumer products, other, and media. Mm-hmm. And graph is is just kind of like your, your consulting graph 101, mm-hmm. where it doesn't really say anything, but it looks pretty. Time time today numbers colors key growth drivers monetization international gap engagement utilize 360 business model you know it's all the keywords you want what's intriguing is you'll notice that the growth percentages what the point of this graph i believe is supposed to be that live events is going to grow but only at a very slow rate consumer products others is a bigger opportunity and it will continue to grow but again in slow rate media is going to grow a lot and here they have a little gap number. It says 60%. We don't know exactly what they mean by that, but I guess what they're trying to say is 60% of the revenue that they drive is is coming from media, maybe, is what they're trying to say. And then they're I, actually I, saying in the future today we're at 65%. So we're already going up 
And so to me, this also is saying, hey, look, in the future, media is going to be the engine of growth for us, which, of course, with these new TV deals, it should be. It's, I yeah. hope it is. Yeah, it, it absolutely will be. I mean, if, if, the, if the numbers that, that Hollywood Reporter has reported uh, come to fruition. Yep. Um, they're still using their 159 million fan homes out of 311 million broadband homes. Uh, if you actually look here at some of these estimate things, you'll notice suddenly they'll mention, oh, the information is U.S. only. And then they'll mention, you know, they're looking at a 2014 and 2015 numbers. So this this crazy survey is already getting more and more out of date now that we're three years past it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a weird one. Average paid subscribers. WWE Network has sustained year-over-year growth. Average paid subscribers started off in, in 2014 at 666, then went up to 138, then 1418, and then now 1530. And then they kind of say, oh, here's our actuals. Uh, 0. 0.56, 1.14, 1.42, and 1.53. What do you notice different between these two graphs, Brandon? Uh, the numbers are rounded, and but the, the 2014 number... Uh changed yeah can you reverse the order of these two can you put the old one on the left and the new one on the right sorry you just can't deal with it can you this is my brain is is, i can't i'm I'm sorry cte man Um, (laughs) it's okay uh yeah okay so the number has gone down uh, on 2014 quite a bit and they've just decided to to use uh, decimals and um yeah and round but they 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 lost a hundred thousand subscribers from 2014 and i went back and i looked at the the 10k and the real number is 560 some thousand Hmm. so the old one was probably just wrong or there were free counted in there i think what it might have been is the well free wouldn't have made a difference really because when they started off there was really free they just did the one free yeah or there wait a minute wait a minute there was a you got it for two weeks for free Yes, but what I think actually happened is they might. This might be the difference of the number of months that you're dividing by. That perhaps one of them they're dividing by twelve months, and one of them they're dividing by the the ten months it was an active for, or it was just a straight up mistake. Or when you, the lower number you start with, the higher your Kager is at the end. It's true. The Kager went from thirty three percent all the way up to thirty nine percent, which I think is is just another. It, it, it's just intriguing. It's not, I don't think it's, you know, necessarily every, every company's always redoing their investor presentation and the way that they present the numbers. And of course it, you and I, um, as one of the benefits that we offer for premium, uh, patrons subscribers is they get access to our, our, our drive full of all the historical data we can grab. Mm-hmm. And so you can see how this has transformed. And if you go back five years, it's unrecognizable to what it is today. It's a completely different format. It's completely different uh, timing and purpose and direction. Yeah, we have we have so, a folder out there called like investor presentations. You can see, yeah, yeah, and that's literally where I took this out of. Is I went to the Google Drive and just pulled it up. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a nice nice benefit at the ten dollar plus level. And it, it's just intriguing to me because either you catch these mistakes or you catch where they're you know, massaging the numbers a little bit more to make it seem more impressive. And you, you, you know, can see how that's much better at PowerPoint to... George Barrios has gotten over the years. Um, we go through the TV contract numbers, no changes on this slide. We go through the, when are we going to make new deals? Um, basically reminding us that we have till September for them to mark, to announce the, uh, the U S deal. So we're only in June now. So we're only in two month, two of what a five month period yeah. that it could happen in. Yeah. So I am still expecting them to move forward soon. 
maybe they'll wait until the next um, earnings call, which would be in what, August? Late July or early August, yeah. Yeah. Then they mentioned the UK deal will be in the second half of 2018. So mm-hmm. they have all the way from now, essentially, through December to come up with the UK deal. And they're not even going to mention India until the first yeah. half of 2019. Yeah. Um, so then we have, you know, what does it look like for our future opportunities here? They mentioned five marketplaces down here. How's your flags? Uh, let's see. China, India, Mexico, Chile. And Saudi Arabia, I think it's Saudi. Well, no, that's not Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia has the um the the big, um the big green flag. Yeah, what flag is that? It's red, green, white, and black. I don't know UAE. UAE. Well, we're acting as if we're not connected to the internet right now. Yes, it is UAE. Yes. And then they mentioned their their partners down here, the the PPTV for China, the Sunday uh, Demal, which is the India like localized show they do, the WWE Saturday Night, which is the show they do in Fox Sports Latin America. But and then there's another WWE show here, which I'm guessing is the OSN show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, D- WWE Saturday Night is not being shot at center stage, is it? No, sadly not. If you ever shower or brush your teeth or try to make your hair look presentable and we've got good news for you. Dollar Shave Club, it's got all the stuff you need to help you out. Dollar Shave Club delivers everything you need to look, feel, and smell your best. And what's even better is that they'll do shampoo, conditioner, body wash, toothpaste, hair gel, even a wipe that will have your behind feeling tingly clean. Oh my. What do you like about Dollar Shave Club, Brandon? Um, Lately, I've been using it to shave my cheeks, the cheeks on my face, um, maybe some other parts of my body, which I'm not going to get into right now. Of their amber and lavender calming body cleanser, it's it's a different smell than anything I've ever smelled, and you can't even find a product like that at the store. Instead, it gets delivered right to my door. All their stuff is made with top shelf ingredients. It won't break your budget, and you feel the difference. And shipping is included, so no going to the pharmacy, no going to the drugstore, no going to the grocery store. You just get it showing up right there in your basement apartment, just like Brandon does. That's right. And here's a great way to try a bunch of Dollar Shaves Club's products, just for five dollars. You can get their daily. Essentials starter kit. It comes with body cleanser, the one wipe Charlie's, those amazing butt wipes, their world famous shave butter that I use, and their best razor, the six blade executive. For all the WrestleNomics executives out there, they keep the blades coming for just a few dollars a month. Add in shampoo, toothpaste, anything else you need for the bathroom. You check it all out at dollarshaveclub.com slash WE. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash WE. You can remember it by thinking dollarshaveclub.com WrestleNomics executive dollarshaveclub.com slash W-E and if you work for WWE just take one W off and give us the credit that's right um, then the next couple slides are the same between the two it's just all about the the um, how do we you know come up with ideas for using our, our user data to talk about people and we could do a whole show just about this where you know it's about how much do they do they buy and spend money on there's a thousand variables they look at it's the consumption that they have it's the uh, what kind of programming do they do and they use it to leverage viewership data to focus our production strategy so in theory the uk tournament is being done because people enjoyed the uk tournament mm-hmm. last year mm-hmm. the young classic is coming back because people like that 205 Live is a hit because people watch 205 yeah. Live. Now, is that true? I don't know. 
Well, they, they, they can make an, an internal argument that they should continue to do this based on the data that they have. Right? Yeah. And at the same time, something like Camp WWE being renewed would suggest that they think there's a value in that. Yeah. That or it's just incredibly long lead times on things like animation production. So you kind of have to go for it and you can't really give up on it halfway through. Yeah, or maybe they it's also, just, um, you know, the acting out of, of Vince, you know, knowing in the late 90s, it, it, it's us in South Park neck and neck. So what could be better <laughs> than to, uh, you know, become South Park yourself? And hire the Swerve director and get yourself in a lawsuit. Yeah, this is, South Park is probably much better than WD Swerve, though. But anyway. Or the uh, Jackass director, I mean. Uh, leverage viewership data to guide event touring. Kind of this other thing where they mentioned the network consumption of NXT supposedly drives part of the NXT touring schedule. Mm -hmm. And I'd be curious if if there was more information about how successful this strategy was. Yeah. It makes sense. It makes absolute sense. But is it actually panning out right? Because local event promotion is so much more important than just saying, hey, I've got people that enjoy this show. I should do something there. Yes. And you could say the same thing about Cow Palace sales for New Japan or other things. Like, there, there's a difference between running a show in a, a local market and knowing that you have fans there. Yeah. Um, what, we, whoa, 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 what do you mean by that? Just that, that um, like Dave Meltzer was arguing with people on Twitter about how WWE doesn't even try to run the Cow Palace anymore because it's a difficult marketplace to do local promotion for. And WWE is much better established than New Japan. WWE doesn't run in San Francisco? They don't run at the Cow Palace. Okay, but like they run near it, right? Yeah, but I think they're just saying that it makes a difference where you're trying to promote. Literally, the venue itself can make a difference. Okay. Is it hard to access? Do we, do we know? Like because of it sounds like it's not in the best part of town. Oh, uh, okay. And just other things. Like, it, I, I think it just goes to say there's a big difference between someone who watches your show and someone who gets in their car, drives, and buys a ticket and goes shows up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, those radio ads are going to make a big difference on whether people actually know WWE is coming to town mm -hmm. or whatever town. I had, I had a, a CenturyLink guy uh, try to show up and sell me fiber yesterday. And his first question to me was, when's the last time WWE is in town? I had no idea how to answer that question. Because I was wearing a WrestleMania shirt. It wasn't just he randomly oh. walked up and said that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, just that that sort of thing just kind of struck me. Where was this like a door-to-door like, -door -door salesman? Is somebody just knocking on your door trying to sell you, you fiber cable? Well, he's trying to sell internet services. Internet yeah. service. And knocked on your door unsolicited? Door-to-door -door salesman in 2018? Yeah. Two. Two door-to-door -door salesmen. Really? This, oh. this is shocking to basement-dwelling Brandon. I've never heard he does of not I haven't heard knocking so, at door. I, I used to live in a house, okay? And, uh, but I've not, I never had anybody knock on my door and try to sell something to me. I, I technically live in the city. I live in the city of St. Paul. I used to live and, in the city uh, of Buffalo. What can I tell you? I don't know. Do you, do you have people knocking your door and try to sell you stuff uh, every so often? Does that happen? Yes. Wow. Yes. Yeah, probably sometimes during our show. Oh, really? Maybe there's, is there, there's different laws in Minnesota? I don't know. Anyway, that, that's another podcast. <laughs> Which, it, it has caused us all sorts of angst. I'll put it that way. It is not always a pleasant situation. Huh. Um, this is the slide that I thought was the most interesting of the changes of the two, which is called transforming to a new business model is delivering sustained growth. Huh. And 2015, 2016, 2017, trailing 12 months. And they're using that for both revenue, operating income, and adjusted OEBDA. 
And then they go to the new version. And so in the old version, you have this this revenue growth from 659, 729, 784. Now it's 659, 729, 801, which you'll notice that means 2015 and 16 were the same, but 2017 we changed. So in one version, we were double counting a month, a quarter in the old version, and now we're not. In, in the old version, they didn't know what Q4 was yet for sure. Yes, but they used Q4 of 2016 in both the 2016 number and in the 2017 trailing 12 months number. Okay. Uh, operating income here was 39, going to 56, going to 63. And the actuals ended up being 39, 56, 76. So they, they outperformed what they thought they would do. That's mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. Or I shouldn't say they outperformed what they thought they would do. They outperformed their trailing 12 months. They had a really good Q4. Uh, okay. And then the last one is the unusual one. Adjusted to EBITDA, 69 going to 80, going to 98 million. And now it's 86 going to 98, going to 136. And you'll immediately notice the first two examples, 2015 and 2016, stayed the same. In this example, all the numbers changed. Yeah. So between version one and version two, they completely redefined what adjusted to EBITDA meant. And they even redefined it from what they meant four months ago. Is this reflected in the training schedules I'm looking right now? Keep talking. Yeah. So what, what changed between the two? And I, I dug into this for on Twitter um, with somebody when they, they kind of also called this out and said, hey, what the heck happened? And so I did dig in and figure out what they changed in their definition. Yeah, this is reflected in the training schedules. So yeah, this, as you're about to explain, I guess they did change the definition of adjusted Uyibda. Yeah. So um, I'll pull over the little thing I did here. Hopefully you can see this. Yep. So they have this part that says notes, non-gap measures. And it uh, on the left side, just to, keep, just to be clear, the left side is the new in this version and the right side is the old. I know we flipped it yeah. there. But it says adjusted to is now operating income excluding depreciation, amortization, stock-based compensation expense. And that's the big one. Certain impairment charges and other non-reoccurring material items that would otherwise impact the comparability of, re of results between periods. And it includes amortization expenses directly related to the company's revenue generating activities, the amortization of feature film, teacher product, TV production, and WWE programming assets. And so when you look at the other one, what's the big difference is that stock-based compensation is not part of the old adjusted OEBDA, and now it is. So um, I'm what flipping is stock here. based compensation. So I think that is when they pay out Depends. the, I, I could be wrong on this, but I, I, I think it's basically when we see that big um, prospectus document and they talk about how much they're paying out in bonuses to the uh, executives. And a lot of times they don't pay them out in money. They pay them out in stock that they're allowed to acquire at a very low price. Right. Immediately sell. Mm hmm. That's stock-based compensation. Yeah, board of directors too get stock compensation, I believe. Exactly. So what they're doing here is they're basically saying, instead of including that in OEBDA, we're going to just take that out. We're going to pretend that you don't have. That's not part of our actual uh, uh, OEBDA. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, it makes the numbers look better because you're taking out a big amount of stuff. Mm -hmm. You can see in 2016, it was 18.2 million. In 2017, it was 24.2 million. Mm -hmm. 
Um, they also have this other subset of what they call other operating income items. Um, a lot of that was, I think, legal fees and other things. Mm-hmm. So, again, it's an opportunity to take money out and then suddenly say, oh, it's not part of our um, OEBDA. That's why we're so profitable. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, a, it's nice when you can do that, but I don't know if it's always um, – I think it just goes to speak to how different it is between a gap accounting generally accepted – uh, accounting principles and actuals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's just funny to me where in the old world, they could barely crack 98 million. And now they're at 136 million. And in fact, they were at 98 million last year. Yeah. And so it just goes to say, when you do adjusted Aweebda, it is a, if you drive your thesis on the value of WWE based on their ability to redefine their profit measure, you will be shocked because you'll discover that they're hiding things that they're not talking about, mm-hmm. like stock-based compensation, legal fees, uh, failed projects. Like when they didn't, they decided not to do it. They were going to do a building project and they decided to pull the plug on it and it cost them millions of dollars that they had already invested into it. Mm-hmm. Um, just things like that. So it, it's just something interesting to watch is that their Weebda will always be looking good because of the way they want to define it. Mm-hmm. But operating income, at least, is something where you can at least hold it steady time over time. So when it comes to these profit metrics, and this is something that I struggle with, is like, you know, I I would have thought before I got into all this stuff that there was just a metric called profit, just like there's a metric called revenue. But it turns out, no, there's there's operating income, there's net income. There used to be something called profit contribution in WD's reports. There's OEBDA, there's EBITDA. There's adjusted Aweebda. Uh in in the case of this business, WV, which 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 profit metric is there one profit metric that you think is the most informative to look at? I mean, I think operating income is gonna be standardized. Mm-hmm. I think there's a reason different companies use different numbers and have you focus on different numbers. Mm-hmm. I'm not enough of an accounting wizard to tell you why. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes it has to do with, you know. Um, the phase of growth the company is in mm-hmm. because they're, they're going to experience different um, costs. And then you also want to compare them to their peers, right? Mm-hmm. So it makes a lot of sense to compare entertainment companies, but it might not make sense to compare Nestle with WWE. Mm-hmm. So it, it will also, you know, in terms of what are the assets that they have to take. And then you also have different companies that have different types of services, like, you know, uh, lawyers are going to be providing a very different type of service than a company that makes packaged goods. Mm-hmm. And so when, I, when I've read about, you know, accounting measures and, and things, a lot of it comes down to, yes, generally accepted accounting principles are designed for the purpose of we want to actually be able to compare people using the same metrics. And there is no defined thing as profit. Mm-hmm. And that became a problem. And is, so is they, they came up with other measures that are more ex- accepted. Even OEBDA is accepted because it's just operating income before depreciation and amortization. Right. So how about just, adju- adjusted no, OEBDA? Is, is this is this taking out extra stuff? Is this fair? Is this um, misleading to investors? Is this misleading to just observers who are trying to uh, assess or analyze the direction of this company? Misleading is a very strong word. I don't think it's misleading. I think it is. It is. Um, it is telling. It is a narrative that they've chosen to use. Mm-hmm. I'll coach my words carefully. 
But I would just say, you know, what's interesting to see is that operating income only went up $20 million. Addressed to Weebda went up almost $40 million year over year mm-hmm. in that same time frame from 2016 to 2017. And so that tells you a lot about their ability to pull certain things out and then call it not part of my Weebda. Mm-hmm. On, the, on the other hand, the Kager is bigger in the in the older presentation of the numbers in the older version of, of just a weaver right because we start out at a lower point and end up at a at a higher point by percentage i would guess um yeah From probably 69 probably 69 to higher. 98 is bigger of a jump than 86 to 163 in percentage right probably yeah 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 so i mean absolutely i i think in this case it's more about the absolute numbers is that wwe wants to now talk about how they're doing a hundred million dollars of weebda yeah and what is distortive is that what you're not realizing is that they've restated last year like yeah. for years and years they've talked about trying to get back to a hundred million dollars of weebda yeah and what you don't realize is oh they actually hit that last year under their new definition of a weebda mm-hmm. and so coming at 136 if you just remember hey a year ago they were trying to get a hundred it sounds like killing it, but the reality is, is they've taken all this stuff out. Mm-hmm. So it's just one of those where you can kind of take your failures out and then leave in your successes. Mm-hmm. And you know, a, a, a smart stock analyst is not fooled by this. Mm-hmm. But I just think in their their PR releases, I think a lot of wrestling media gets confused because they don't realize adjusted to Weebda today isn't even what it was four months ago. Mm-hmm. So. What a technical and boring thing to talk about, but what an excellent example of just something that is mistaken by so many people. On, on the other hand, like, if you're talking about, like, wrestling media getting confused by this, like, who in wrestling media is even looking at this besides, like, you and me and, and Dave Meltzer? And, and, uh, you, and people try to say, well, we're more, you know, the Roman era is more successful than any other era because we're at $140 million. Yeah. Roman Stan Look. Twitter, they're, they're going through... Uh, investor presentation yeah. slides and then look i found an investor present i found something from 10 years ago and it shows this number yeah. for profitability yeah and it's just that it's they're different numbers and like you and i have talked about is trying to understand the value of investing like the whole question of was the performance center a good investment uh-huh. on the on the face it sounds like a great investment but when you suddenly realize how many how huge the corporate and other spend exploded over the last five years mm-hmm it's shocking because then you're suddenly like, oh, my God, NXT does not pay for itself. Mm-hmm. And it's like that's hidden in the numbers. And so I do think it matters because I do think that, you know, your ability to pull out all your stock-based compensation, your ability to pull out your failed projects, the ability for you to pull out your legal fees doesn't present a full picture. Mm-hmm. So just it's interesting here. Um, the financial strategy targets long-term growth. It's interesting this four piece they have here, solid base of predictable reoccurring events. They're talking about live events and CPG, consumer packaged goods. Mm-hmm. Then growth revenue streams, including WWE media, AKA TV rights. Uh, number three, high margins, 70 to 80%. Um, that's interesting. And um, there's also uh, select investments, which is uh, the May Young Classic, India, and then they have this little like wireless symbol, which I assume is like maybe investing in maybe analytics or something is what that's supposed to mean to them. I don't know. Yeah. Are they are they investing in uh, helping emerging economies get better broadband so they can all subscribe to the Reno? Or I don't know. Probably not. I don't know. 
last part of this uh, India, um, or sorry, investment priorities is that you can see the content is the same. The emerging markets are the same, including Saudi Arabia there with the, the sword and the yeah, Arabic. What, what are these? Is that, is that Turkey in the red there? Turkey's in the red. Brazil's in the also on this flag, which is interesting, that Chile's not. Uh -huh. um, and then they have technology, and then you can see the, the, the icons they mean for technology here. But what was in interesting is in the old version, they mentioned the $215 million that they spent on getting, you know, the, the free money. Mm -hmm. Not free money, cash money. Mm-hmm. I've taken that out. Though mm -hmm. so I do notice that uh, on the bottom here, they do mention the $200 million of financing. Mm -hmm. They just, they, they don't actually make a reference to it in explicitly. So I just thought that was intriguing that they're kind of, I wouldn't say hiding, but they're, they're, they're downplaying the fact that they really strengthen their balance sheet by doing $200 million of, of borrowing. Mm -hmm. And you have your adjusted things here. And this is where we get that adjust to, adjusted elite uh, information. Mm -hmm. And you can see, the old version just had depreciation, amortization, film impairments, asset impairments, and other income, which came from things that they can't, that are in, inherently unpredictable. And then now they've added stock compensation is one of the biggest things here. Yeah. So I just found that intriguing. Um, very technical. Hopefully people are, are watching this on YouTube rather than just listening to this. Uh, just because it's it is a little technical and it's a lot of numbers at once, but uh, I thought it was fun. I, I I'm always enjoy you know kind of finding comparisons of how the the narrative for WWE changes because it will tell you a lot about what they're doing. Which is for them, they want to start bragging about these super high weebed numbers, and so they're taking as much out of it as they can. Mm -hmm. Speaking of uh, bragging, you know I think it's time for us to thank one of our sponsors on the show. Yeah, who would that be? That'd be Dollar Shave Club. If you ever shower, brush your teeth, or just try to make your hair look presentable, I've got great news for you because the Dollar Shave Club has a ton of stuff to help you out. The Dollar Shave Club will deliver everything you need to look, feel, and smell your very best. Brandon, tell me more. Uh, Dollar Shave Club has everything you need to get ready in the bathroom. Uh, any particular product that you have fallen in love with outside of the razor and why? I don't know what that means. <laughs> Take it what away, What we Mookie. mean is that Dollar Shave Club delivers everything you need to look feel and smell your best that's shampoo conditioner body wash toothpaste hair gel even a wipe that will have your behind feeling tingly clean mm -hmm. and uh, i i use some dollar shape club products this morning when i took a shower mm -hmm. and uh, i like their amber and lavender calming body cleanser it, it's it's something that you will never smell in a store you'll never find this in a store it's completely unique yeah all the dollar shape clubs products made with top shelf ingredients they won't break your budget. You'll feel the difference, and shipping is included with the membership. What can people do if they want to find out more? Uh, and here's a great way to try a bunch of Dollar Shave Club products. For just $5, you can get their Daily Essentials Starter Kit. It comes with body cleanser, one wipe Charlie's, the amazing butt wipes, the world-famous shave butter, their best razor, the six-blade executive for WrestleNomics executives out there. And you can keep the blades coming for just a few bucks more a month and add in shampoo, toothpaste, or anything else you need for the bathroom. You can check it all out at dollarshaveclub.com slash WWE. Uh, I did use the razor and the uh, the invisible shave butter uh, recently, although I do not shave the entire thing. I do shave some other parts of my body, which I will not disclose, especially, especially <laughs> the, the cheeks. Dollarshaveclub.com slash WE. Think mm -hmm. WrestleNomic Executive. You get WE. We. 
what's great about it is Dollar Shave Club, not just razors. Everything else you need for your bathroom, save you a trip to the pharmacy. It's nice in that way. And Dollar Shave Club has been a proud sponsor of WrestleNomics Radio for many months here, and we're very excited to have them on board. So thank you very much, Dollar Shave Club. Mm-hmm. Let's talk uh, some other topics that we uh, haven't haven't really um, hit yet that aren't all numbers, but rather uh, some other things like um, the Young Bucks. You know, the Young Bucks killing the business. Mm-hmm. Did you know that that's the name of their business, Killing the Business, Inc.? Yeah, we, we brought this up when we were talking uh, on the premium show about All In and whether All In was... There was uh, uh, some mistaken information about whether All In was really being funded by Ring of Honor or whether it was being funded by Cody and, and Young Bucks or what the deal was. Uh, and, and on the Voices of Wrestling uh, overrun, uh, they very much went at, went to the source and they said, no, it's not being funded by Sinclair. The article was ad- was adjusted to basically make it clear that it was not funded by Sinclair. Uh, and so as far as we know, and as far as what people are saying, is Sinclair was not behind All In directly. I, of course they supported it, but they were not directly behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, it but we found out I, – I, I think it was the knowledge was out there before uh, we, we, it we discovered the this. All In trademarks. What's that? So the All In trademarks were actually registered by the Young Bucks business, Killing the Business, Inc. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the people involved, I think it's one of the Young Bucks wives is like in charge of the of this company. It's Dana Massey, who's uh, the wife of Matt Jackson of the Young Bucks. Yep. And uh, makes sense. Makes sense that. And it's interesting. I guess somebody when was saying that they, that even Cody and people didn't set up their own business. They just used the Young Bucks business line, which is mainly for Young Bucks merch. Mm-hmm. But other things. So I, I thought that was intriguing. Just, you know, finding that reservation that. um uh, registration in California. Mm-hmm. Uh, this Deadspin article, if you're on the premium show, there's a long uh, piece that we did with the author, David Bixenspan. Mm-hmm. Um, articles, you know, look at that half a million views already. Yep. Uh, I think it's some pretty intriguing and damning information about, uh, you know, Chris Amon. And it really raises the question of, why he was willing to go so far knowing that this was out there. Yeah. I guess because it sounds like they must have stopped this before it went to trial in terms of being evidence that could be introduced. So perhaps he thought it wouldn't be introduced and therefore it still made sense to go all the way through. Yeah. Maybe his lawyers assured him that this wouldn't come out. Yeah. And, and of course, what is the case? It says WWE doctor who sued CM Punk had sexual relationship with the wrestler patient. And basically the story that Jillian Hall was a active wrestler in WWE. She was on the same brand as Christopher Amon. They were involved in a, a romantic relationship. Mm-hmm. And um, according to people like medical ethicists, NYU's own Arthur Kaplan will say, it's a huge ethics no-no. You cannot have a romantic relationship with your patients. It distorts your objectivity in treating them. They can bamboozle you. You can want to please them. And so you can give them things like pain meds. And you already have enough problems working with wrestlers because we we have dual loyalties because you already have the issue between are you working for the company? Are you working for the betterment of the wrestler? Because the company's paying you, but the wrestlers are, are your actual patients. Mm-hmm. So it is. Uh, and then, of course, you know, basically it says all the code of ethics say don't do it. And if you do have that relationship, you should discontinue being the person who treats that that um, wrestler. And so you could have gone to the other brand. 
You could have, you know, clearly disclosed this. And in fact, WWE actually said, we were not aware of this. We are investigating the matter. We'll determine if action is warranted. And Dave Meltzer had kind of a throwaway line in the latest Observer where he mentioned Amon's contract was, quote, up in October. Yeah. And we, we talked to Bix about this for, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes on the premium show, which is out there at patreon.com slash WrestleNomics. Uh, we talked about that and uh, we talked about what else. Harold Mage, all the, the background research you've been doing on him. Uh, the Ring of Honor coming to the uh, Madison Square Garden 2019 Triple H's conference call before NXT TakeOver. Chris Jericho's business model with him playing with his hair and discussing you know, what, how he has to wrestle a few spots and he's making big money and, and uh, what's going on in the business. And uh, we talk about star ratings too. Big topic of this week. Oh, yeah. We went deep into star ratings. We went through my list of all the Dave Meltzer data after Dominion. Mm-hmm. And uh, I will have to probably update this now with um, uh, the the both um, Money in the Bank and with the NXT show, because I think it will help some people out a lot. Especially, you know, I have here on the screen, I don't know if you're looking or not, but I have the star ratings up for. Yep. Um, this is if I cap everything at five stars. If I If I leave it uncapped, it looks a little different. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is if I let it go all the way up to seven stars, then you can see Kenny Omega averages well over five. Yeah. Um, but what's intriguing is you will see some WWE guys here, especially in the top three and top five category that could be moving up. Ricochet, Johnny Gargano. Uh, I think Velveteen Dream shows up um, very high in some of these lists. So I, I could certainly see a situation where it's a little skewed now because it has lots of New Japan data and WWE data is a little bit more segmented and especially nxt date is very segmented mm-hmm. so i think it will add a, a little bit more um vision when we start to see you know people like ricochet and and velveteen dream and some of the other people uh gargano and champa and whatnot who are getting a little bit more exposure yeah uh and seth rollins too he's one of the biggest you know he's the top wwe guy arguably same with Re- roman reigns um down at 29 but um you know seth rollins how he performs will, will definitely impact him and based on my definition of a singles match, a multi-man Money in the Bank match does count as a singles match. Mm-hmm. So, yep, but we had a we had a really good debate on that and discussion about influencing people and just you know the the challenges you have when it comes to what are you um, what are you saying and doing and how does that influence the way that people cover what they what they think you're saying and doing? Yeah, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Russell Lomax Free Show. Some of the other subjects I want to talk about is is Jeff Hardy pleading guilty to his DWI. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a it's kind of amazing that you know you have a guy like that who was suspended 30 days in jet, July of 2007. He was suspended 60 days in March 2008. He no showed TNA. He had that debacle in 2011 um, where he showed up in no condition to perform against Sting. Yeah, and he's back with the company, and again he's getting a DWI. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they talked about, you know, what would you do if you came back to the company? Same thing with Rey Mysterio. What, do you, what happens when you have, quote, two strikes against you? Yeah. And, you know, we've seen them, people like Randy Orton, redefine the scale in the, a way. The strikes are not. wellness policy. The wellness policy says nothing about DUIs, DWIs. Yes. And, and of course, one of the Usos just got a DWI uh, recently yeah. or a driving wall impaired or, or ability impaired or whatever the definition was. Yeah. And though I, I don't remember if that one went through or not, but it's it, it's one of those where it does raise that big question about does the company have the right? Does the company have the desire to punish people when they do when these things happen? 
Uh, what do you from, from the outside? Uh, no, I don't know. The, the Usos, do you think the Usos, uh, it doesn't appear on screen that they were punished or had, had opportunities taken away from them, right? One of them got jobbed out that week, but no, for the most part, no. Well, wins and losses, do they really matter in WWE in modern That's times? That's true. true. Uh, Jeff Hardy, U.S. champion, uh, so I don't know. Yeah, and, and again, I would just argue that these are warning signs, right? So you have you have guys whose job is to travel town to town and they're meant to be ambassadors for the company. And we've seen it blow up before, you know, like it did with Jack Swagger, RVD and people mm-hmm. uh, and Sabu and, and others in the past. So it, it is a problem when it goes really bad. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. It's just one of those things where it's, it's it's very much a red flag to me is is when you have a guy like that and he has a long history of issues. And then you can almost argue, okay, you're relapsing here. Yeah. And we as a company, if we really care about our performers, should be taking a more aggressive um, viewpoint of trying to say, hey, what can we do to intervene and stop this rather than what can we do to make this go away as quickly as it can? What should they do? Maybe uh, say, hey, t- take take off house shows for now and uh, I don't know. What? what? Uh, yeah. I mean, put it in as as – put more more restrictions into their actual performance there to say hey we're we're not interested in doing business with you if you're going to act like this we're you're a liability to our company maybe they should suspend him it could be a suspension it could be a remediation you know mm-hmm. take him up to headquarters and scream at him and <laughs> i don't know it I, i'm i'm not in charge of talent relations yeah. so it's it's hard for me to say but I, I always feel like it sends quite a message to the NXT crowd that you know you, it's kind of going back to the days of FCW where lots of guys were getting DWIs and it didn't matter. Mm. So I just, I just worry that yeah, I think it's, I think for a company that's pushing itself as family friendly as it is, they should be more concerned about the fact that they have wrestlers out there that are getting arrested for DWI. Yeah. Do you think uh, wrestling media makes less of a big deal about it because Jeff Hardy is a big star and there's, there's no like, I don't know if this was like Enzo Amore, if Enzo Amore was, you know. Still I think sexual assault and... considered a much worse. I'm not talking about um, sexual assault though. So no, I'm... no, but I'm saying I think I think there's things like sexual assault that is the Twitter fans are un will not forgive, yeah. and DWI doesn't seem to be that unforgivable sin. I guess what I'm saying is like if um if if uh th- this was somebody who people wanted to pile on, this would be a bigger deal. Jeff Hardy's yep. not somebody that people want to pile on at the moment because he's. He's in favor, or at least not in an unfavor, among I don't know wrestling fandom. Yeah, no, I think that's true. That that it, it's it, the people that are unpopular, like people that are unpopular with a large group, get mm-hmm. treated differently than people that are popular with a large group, for sure. If Roman Reigns got a DWI, what would happen? We not hear the end of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, people still bring up his drug suspension. Does, He's under a microscope, although, although you could say, I don't know, that that's almost been forgotten, I feel like. I think it's been diminished, yeah. Yeah. And I would argue that a, a drug suspension is in some ways less serious than a DWI mm. because, you know, what you're doing to yourself impairs yeah. you and presents you poorly to the company right. and violates policy but does not necessarily harm others yeah I, th- I think there's a libertarian philosophy of like what you do with your body is your own business but 
when you're getting getting in a car under the influence of drugs or alcohol and you're you're putting other people on the road in danger. Yes. Whereas when you take drugs, you're not really unless you're wrestling under the influence of drugs, but that's not apparently which is something means. also Jeff Hardy has done. So yeah. Like... But I'm I'm talking about in the case of like a Roman Reigns. I know. I know. Who, who, we don't we don't like... know what substance he. I don't know if we don't even know if he failed the drug test. He just violated the wellness policy, whatever yeah, that is. We don't means. know whether it was a steroid uh, violation or whether it was an Adderall violation, whether it was some other violation. Yeah. Painkillers could have been many different things. Yeah. Um, the, the only thing I think we can be sure is that it wasn't a, uh, what is it, mono vaccine? A, uh, where, where they all get sick with um, the mumps. Mumps, yeah, it wasn't a mumps vaccine. Yeah. Um, WWE uh, did an interesting – they're doing this SummerSlam uh, contest with Nestle Water where, you know, you talk about why you're choosing water and you can go to WWE.com slash choose water and you can win a trip to SummerSlam and get tickets and a round-trip airfare and uh, hotel accommodations. And they're going to do custom co-branded digital videos with Flair, Intelia, The New Day, Sin Cara, and Titus O'Neil. Mm. Um and what's in, of course notable is that Tara Carraro is now the chief corporate affairs officer at Nestle Waters. Previously an SVP of global communications at WWE. I've communicated with Tara when she worked for WWE. So that name really jumped out at me. She used to be a uh, media relations. Yeah, exactly. Global communications was, I think, her formal, formal title. But when you used to email WWE for comment, she was one of the people that would reply. Yeah. And then there's a whole separate piece on Digiday. We're just talked about why did Nestle Waters choose WWE, which is one of the, the weirder articles because it's one of those that very much feels like this is a planted story yeah. of like Nestle and WWE, like calling up someone and being like, wouldn't it be great to write an article about why it's important that Nestle chose WWE to do a program? Yeah. Do they really provide quotes for this? Um, no. WWE not exactly but it, it's one of these weird ones where well Carraro but this is a quote from the other the press release mm. but uh, what was really funny here is WWE has, has tried to restyle itself as family friendly for the past decade in the past WWE formerly called WWF was known for its brash character abrasive language when blood scantily clad women and profanity were common in the ring and in its marketing it has since covered up the women more and invited kids in the ring to meet star wrestlers They've also sponsored do-good organizations like Make-A-Wish and Susan B. Komen to burnish its image. Mm -hmm. burnish. I'm just amused by the it's covered women up more. Yeah. That's a uh, interesting way to put it. Maybe, maybe they're, they've been uh, consuming some uh, that, that Dubai match with Alexa Bliss and, and Sasha Banks and just thinking that that's the norm or something. I don't know. And then also the, um, the idea that uh, they just started working with Make-A-Wish. You know, which they have arguably a 40-year history with, probably. Yeah. Going back to the days of Hogan. Mm -hmm. They make a bigger um, deal of it now than they used to, though, don't they? They certainly do. Um, like, I, 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 I just remember very... growing up watching WF Superstars and seeing, like, Hogan doing a Make-A-Wish uh, all the time. Like, I, I, I guess I feel like we see segments about Make-A-Wish. I don't know. I, there's probably segments of, like about Make-A-Wish or about whatever charitable endeavors they're doing almost every week on, on WTV. It's, and also the last thing I'd say is it's always an interesting to see who is the face of a campaign. It will tell you a lot about who's in the good favor for WWE right now. Mm -hmm. And so Titus, Charlotte, New Day, Natalia, Sin Cara, 
mm-hmm. it's pretty clear, you know, some of the different demographics that they might be going for here mm-hmm. by choosing these people, but also speaks to something like Titus O'Neil. If Titus O'Neil was going to be in a lot of trouble for that swerve lawsuit, mm-hmm. I don't think you'd seeing him as the spokesman for a lot of the stuff. Yeah. I, I, I feel like that's almost his, his greater value to W is not as a performer, but as being a, a guy who goes oh. and, and visits places and does speeches and things like that. Yeah. And so, and same thing, you know, Charlotte, we're seeing more and more of her trying to be this, this front of the brand. Yeah. She's asking Natalia Wilson, how, how can she improve her brand? Yeah. And then new day, you know, speaks a lot to, you know, why did Xavier Woods kind of, um, not dodge the bullet when when a lot of that stuff came out with page and i think a lot of it was that new day is 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 a marketing force for wwe mm-hmm. and you know they are very happy to both market themselves and market wwe and uh did you watch any of the street fighter thing with uh being elite no but i i heard about it in a car ride this weekend yeah, I had a friend actually text me being like, I watched the whole thing. It was great. And, you know, they cut promos on each other. They did lots of fun stuff. Oh, really? It was on so, Twitch, I heard. Yeah, so it, it was a good it, – it sounded like it was very um, spirited. And it, it the was it, – it's kind of intriguing because it really does speak to kind of the growth of New Japan as a social <laughs> media brand on the backs of people like the elite, you know, really pushing it up. Yeah. And making it more accessible because I think people knew what they were doing and what they're talking about yeah. in a way that you just can't imagine five years ago people would know, you know, a guy who's pretty much been a mostly Japanese wrestling star. Mm-hmm. I, I heard that, uh, it, was it Biggie and Kofi and the Bucks? They they didn't know how to play the, the game very well, Street Fighter. But when Xavier and um, Kenny got going, they, they knew what they were doing. The others were just well, smashing buttons. Yeah, I, I, th- I think, yeah, Xavier is a huge oh, video yeah. game guy. Oh, yeah. And I will say, you know, up, up, down, those down. video game up, up, down, down stuff uh, where they have guys, you know, uh, playing against each other backstage sometimes is like the best personality profiles of them you will see. Like the Luke Harper that you see on the behind the scenes formerly known as video comes out as well when it's the video of him trying to beat connor of the ascension and tazawa and and uh, xavier and other people on um on different games on that channel it's, it's very entertaining mm-hmm. uh other things to talk about uh the the stop drop and roll inside india's pro wrestling academies did you read this article at all no i did you just add this uh it, this morning it came out this is a very interesting piece um uh, Anisha George of the Hindustan Times wrote it, and she did a very good job. Um, I, I would say, compared to a lot of articles about wrestling, this one actually has a lot of information about what is happening in India right now with pro wrestling, and it doesn't pretend it's real in the sense of it, it mentions determination, practice, choreography. Um, it compares them over and over and over to two people. You know who they are? No. Vita Devi and Great Kali. Mm-hmm. Um, you know who's never mentioned once in this whole article? Jinder Mahal. Mahal is never mentioned once in the whole article. Nice uh, which I thought was really interesting. They talk about how um, something like 10 out of the 35 people that went to Dubai in 2017 yeah. for the trials were Indian. Oh. Um. And then they, they kind of go through all the different companies that um, are running like training things right now including Kali's CWE mm-hmm. but um other feds and some of them are 
you do wonder with some of them whether or not they're uh, like almost backyard feds with Facebook and, you know, they're just trying to like be a fed. You, uh, you could say that about so many U.S. Indies, though. And, you know, no, it, it's, so it's very funny. So it's very similar in, in a sense is that you're seeing the same things. Yeah. Uh, where it's, it's, it's very much like uh, the U.S. 20 years ago. Yeah. Or the U.S. now in, in or the parts US, oh, yeah. of the country. And then, um, you know, it's good fo- photographs. They talk about, you know, groups that drew 800 people. Training is free as long as you agree to uh, perform your fights. What? Um, I know. <laughs> they talk about one point, these twins that are coming to um, uh, the Pumping Brothers. These these two big guys that are coming in. Uh, but the problem is they only have 15% vision. And how their father drives them four hours each way to do training. Wow. So it's uh, it's an interesting video, interesting article. Um, you know, even uh, it's vital to stay in character, explains Prince. WWE star Bill Goldberg barely smiled during public events. Did he? <laughs> Says he starts building aggression over the 24 hours before each event. I start snapping. I become irritable. My family hates it. Oh. Is this something uh, that you do? Uh uh, Brandon, is that you make sure that you become irritable and difficult? I didn't think so, but but the, that would explain a lot about why I am so irritable and difficult. Maybe I've just been I'm unconsciously getting in character, and uh, yeah, I, I do f- snap into promo mode every now and then. Yeah, so it's a it's a good article. Um, I I really appreciated the fact that it's not, you know, it's not pretending that everything it, that is happening here is is really uh, necessarily. That the, the WWE is playing a large impact on the boom. And I actually found this article because they mentioned Barrios at one point. Mm-hmm. Is the quote here about India as a crown jewel for us mm-hmm. uh, that he talks about things. And just the fact that it just, like you've said before, it underscores the idea that Kali is the guy. He means a lot to the Indian marketplace. Yeah, I guess I've said that. It didn't mention Dara Singh or anything else, you know, the old, old generation too. Are you talking about and like Google Trends? We no, looked at like the um, Google searches in India for Kali are are big, bigger than Jinder Mahal. Last I checked, and yeah, he's a big deal in India. And also that TNA doesn't get any recognition whatsoever in that even article. Though they had, even in though the they article, have TV, even though they've spent so much time, you know, trying to develop the marketplace there. Yeah. So I just I found it a really interesting, balanced piece, um, intriguing for sure. And uh, informative, so it's it's worth reading. And I, if you go to my account at Mukigana, you can read it. Mm. Uh, WWE did finally announce their giant stadium show in Australia, yeah, which is it's exciting. October six will be happening the WWE Super Showdown. It's been mentioned that Brock Lesnar is not, in fact, been um, announced for the show, leading some people to wonder whether or not his contract is uh, uh, going to be up or not. On the flip side. They have mentioned Daniel Bryan for the show, and he is someone who supposedly his contract is up September 1st, he said. Yeah. And the show would be in October. So this would suggest that they think, at least, that they can advertise him. He's in here? Where is he in here? Uh, he's right there in the middle of the photo. His face is on there. Okay. Yes. Happy Brian, Daniel. Yeah. It, Joe, Xavier. You got the whole New Day. Bray, uh, Carmella, Nakamura, Bliss, Orton, Finn, Sasha, Rude. Lashley, AJ, uh, Tamina, Strowman, Miz, Asuka, Rollins, Rousey, Triple H, Undertaker, in which I believe they advertised their final match ever. Mm-hmm. 
Cena for both of them. Rain. They're never neither of them are ever going to wrestle again. I think their final match against each other. Ah, uh, okay. See each other. Um, yeah, it, this isn't the final time they'll wrestle one another. This isn't completely new news about this Australian pay per view, right? We kind of knew about it, but this this is being fleshed out. It has a name now. It has yeah. wrestlers who are advertised. It has a main event. Uh, it's, it's at the Melbourne Cricket Ground in it, Melbourne, so it's, it's going a to, big, big stadium. I mean, like they're saying, a stadium show that could seat 80, 90 plus it's, thousand. It's going to air live on the W Network. Um, yes, it is. It says at the bottom of the, po- of the poster. It mentions live, live on the WWE Network. You're right, which is a different than what they're doing with the Mae Young Classic, which is different what they're doing with um the uh some of the other shows but i it also speaks to the fact that you know beats in the east was a huge success even with the the time change and i'm guessing this would be a similar time change yeah how where, close I'm, I'm about to look how close is this to to the, the pay-per-view in october that's already scheduled or or the surrounding pay-per-views um this, this is october the 6th correct oh. it's australian pay-per-view and in 2018 and you'll notice that's a multi-brand pay-per-view too that, that the talent i was mentioning there is both raw and smackdown uh, October's, yeah, uh, it, it's, it's, it's as in between. October 21st is Boston, yeah. Yeah, it's as in between as it's going to get. September 16th is Hell in a Cell in Nashville. October 6th in Australia. October 21st in Boston for TLC, so. I have Hell in a Cell being as in San Antonio, not in Nashville. I'm looking at Wikipedia, so who knows? It's a good question. Which one is it? Which one is Re- it? Retrieved on, uh, June 5th. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I'm looking somewhere else. But um, I, I, you know, big stadium show. It's amazing. WrestleMania, big, big Superdome show. Saudi Arabia, big stadium show. Australia, big stadium show. You know, to do three stadium shows on three continents in the same year is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's going to be a, an enormous year for growth, and it'll be interesting to see how it impacts the live event numbers that we see coming forward here, especially knowing how cheap the Saudi Arabia show was, how expensive WrestleMania was, and how um, expensive the Australian show should be with the you know, even with the subsidies they're getting. I think it's gonna be much more like a WrestleMania. This is probably not a bot show like the Saudi Arabia show was a bot show, right? So I wonder, like, uh, you know, they did Royal Rumble in 2017 in, in a stadium in San Antonio, the Alamo Dome, right? I wonder if they're gonna do like maybe that's uh, that you know, so Royal Rumble was not at a stadium this year. Uh, so I wonder if they're kind of gonna you know, do this do this one off stadium show. Uh, that's run, you know, bought by themselves, not by somebody else, like once a year, or... I don't know, I guess they could do more if they just do really good business, but yeah. Well, that's the thing is, so then there's also the question of, will Rousey be a draw? You know, I think some of this, too, was the idea mm-hmm. that... Is Rousey she on that poster? A... She's on that poster, yes. Okay. Uh, but just that Rousey was a big deal for some of her fights in Australia, or yeah. her big fight in Australia, mm-hmm. and so... I believe know, the home also... fight. Yeah. So bringing that back, that will be part of it too. Mm. So yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, I think the last thing I had for for topics for the show today was just about this this um, Oliver Luck story, basically saying that he is going to reportedly receive a $20 million guarantee to serve as the commissioner of Vince McMahon's revived XFL. This is the father of Andrew Luck, a quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts, right? And I just think that's absurd. (laughs) you know, if Vince McMahon had to take a hundred million dollars out of Alpha Entertainment, yeah, so that he could for uh, his thing, he's taking a fifth of it to get one guy, a guy. You know, this is Brock Lesnar plus John Cena money. Yeah, you really think about it. Yeah, 
And that's like, hey, you know what? If I was WWE, I also would not want to invest in that league. Yeah, he's not working on shows either. Share with you, but I would not be happy to invest in that. Yeah. So I, I'm. It, it also mentions this. KNL Gates took the lead on the matter for the wrestling industry titan. Um, you know, no surprise there that Vince is using KNL Gates for a lot of stuff. KNL uh, Gates. Let me see if I see if I know this. KNL Gates is Jerry McDivitt. It is, and yeah. and the same. Uh, and Christopher Verdindi or whatever, which is the guy who did all the trademarks for, you know, for the love of football and UFL and, and what eventually became XFL stuff mm-hmm. uh, for Alpha Entertainment. So many people at KNL Gates have been involved. And in fact, the WWE's XFL trademarks have been kind of signed over to the KNL Gates lawyer for Alpha Entertainment. Mm. Um, so just I just thought that was really interesting. Uh, that you know, twenty million dollars. That's where twenty million dollars already went to one guy. Supposedly, seems like he's got a lot to deliver on for twenty million dollars. Well, uh, oh yeah, I guess that does make sense. I was I was gonna say, well, it's not twenty million dollars per year, but but it's, it's not a as $1 if one million dollar guarantee. Yeah, but it's not as if like that that hundred million dollars was a per year thing. He's not going to draw another hundred million dollars, or at least he's not. We don't know that he is. You know, now, hell, it'd be cheaper than ever for him to get another $100 million out of the company. Yeah, that's true. But he's probably in, I, I mean, honestly, I think they're in what they might consider a, a stock freeze right now. With all this hype going on about their stock, about their TV deals without a formal announcement. Mm-hmm. You know how shady it would look if Vince McMahon started to sell when he knows the number that they got, but nobody else does? Mm-hmm. That's true. So I'm guessing they're probably in, in somewhat of a freeze period now where they're not allowed to, where basically no one's allowed to go sell their stock until they make a formal announcement. Yeah. Just to do some quick math. So let's say the stock price is about $60. I think it's a couple of dollars above that. Uh, at, but say he sells stock at $60 per share. Uh, how many shares would he have to sell to make, to, to get $100 million? And the answer so it's is... So 62 67 now let's assume that he only is going to get maybe 58 dollars a share because he usually has to sell a little bit below yeah, um, yeah that's why i'm saying he's going to that's why i'm saying 60 yeah, that's why i'm saying 60 uh so he would have to sell uh 1.67 million shares to get 100 million dollars again and but he's got like something like 35 or 32 million shares left so if he wants another 100 million he can pull it out he can certainly pay this guy's salary yeah. I'm shocked that he has that much faith in this one guy mm-hmm. to put $20 million behind him. I mean, if you're getting like Roger Goodell or something where, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a brand, a brand that may or may not be positive. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think he's, he's, he's really buying more... something where I'd be like, this is a big deal. This guy, half of his claim is that he's a lawyer and that his son is, is a successful NFL player. Yeah. I, I think Vince McMahon should take more of the responsibility uh, onto himself and should uh, spend less time on, on WWE creative and, and, and things Your like that. Your own selfish desire to see less Vince in WWE? Um, it's not only selfish. It, it would also be good for the company because they leave money on the table because they create such a bad TV product. And that is that, folks. Um, so... Uh, we're getting to the end of our, our show here. Uh, Brandon, Mookie pauses as if that's a controversial opinion. Uh, no, you can uh, follow me on, on Twitter at Brandon Thurston. You can subscribe to us on patreon.com slash WrestleNomics. And, uh, yep, that's it. I'm uh, at Mookie Ghana. 
and be sure to find us on Twitter at Russellnomics. And you're you're, you're making sh- sure that everybody... There we go. Now I'm not in Mirror Vision. Hi. Thanks, everyone, for listening, for checking out this uh, unusual broadcast. We're still working out our kinks, as you can obviously see, mm-hmm. but uh, we're having fun kind of showing you different information and giving you a reality of, of what it is like to simulcast with Brandon and I. Yeah. Happy Father's Day to the fathers out there. Mm-hmm. I hope you are... are uh, serenaded with epic poetry of your greatness and uh, delivered trays of candied fruits and meats yeah. for your find. You can, um, and here's a plug, you can get a Super Beast merchandise at, I think it's paypal.me slash beastbuy. You can get get all the Super Beast merchandise that you know you want. You know you want it. Yeah, you can get uh, this, this waffle t-shirt like I'm wearing. And uh, I will give a review of the sushi place next week oh. on a free or the premium show. Are you going to use a star rating system for that? <laughs> Hopefully. I'll use a Meltzer star rating system uh, so I can so, but, myself. But what, how, many, how many stars? Four stars? Five stars? Are you, are you going to break the system? All you right. know, mine's going to be you, on a three-dimensional axis, so it'll involve imaginary numbers. Are you, are you going to go back and say that you, even though you broke it, that it was always really broken and that, uh, you know... And uh, maybe you know the restaurant owners personally, so that you know, just forget about it. I, I think I agree with Dave's thing. Five stars is match of the year. Six stars is match of the decade. Seven stars is the best match you've ever seen in your life. If that's your scale, it makes sense to break it. Talk to you later, everybody. WrestleMomentsMo.com. <laughs> bye bye. Bye. In a world of one million wrestling podcasts, there is a new shining star with great interviews, analysis, music, and, and me, Matt Coon, on total engagement. Go to any podcast platform to listen today. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.